0: of season three of al dente Um, thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast this year and special shout out to my committee of ella delina and angel today we've got two very special guests they are the founders and directors of pax migration as well as of course registered migration agents christina katsuru paxinos and constantine paxinos thank you guys so much for coming onto the pod today Um, how have you guys been and how's the construction going
1: Hi, <laughs> thanks for having us. Um, yeah, the construction is still going. <laughs> it's uh, never ending, but it seems we've been doing it for about two years and um, still going, but um, yeah. at the moment it's quiet, so that's that's the good news.
0: <laughs> oh, that's very good to hear. <laughs> okay, so um, I'll just jump straight into the questions, okay guys? Sure. Okay, so can you tell us a bit, what does PAX migration do?
2: Okay, so uh, what does Pax Migration do? What we do is we provide immigration advice uh, to um, clients. Those clients are either migrants or um, employers that are looking to hire and sponsor migrants. So those are our two main clients' um, types. And we um, help our clients navigate the immigration system, which is uh, naturally a very complex system. It's a system that's been built up over about 70 years, since the Migration Act was enacted in 1958 Um, and it is layers upon layers of policy changes in the law. So every year the government will make a raft of changes pretty much every few months and every new government uh, whenever we have a change of party um, as we have had this year between the, the Liberal government previously and now a Labor government they, um, they generally make uh, more substantial changes to the immigration program. The immigration system, it's a very politically driven uh, part of Australia's law or legal system because um, immigration is sensitive um, to the Australian population. Um, and so each government has sometimes very different views about what they want the immigration system to look like. So this new government that we've had come in since um, um, March this year, uh, may sorry may this year we uh, we have noticed that they are very much committed to changing some of the rules to allow um migrants who are on temporary visas to qualify for permanent visas now they haven't made those changes yet it does take time for legislation to change they they um they're still working through the analysis of those potential changes so you have to be considered and thoughtful about how you make legislative changes. So they're going through that process now. They're going through a consultation process. And um, in my role in the uh, Migration Institute, as the Vice President of Migration Institute, I'll be participating quite um, substantially in uh, advocacy and um, submissions to the federal government um, and assisting the state government on their submissions to address the um, changes and what we need to happen to make things better. So one of the major things for for your audience, for for dentists and dental graduates, um, is that currently the system does not permit dentists to qualify for a permanent visa, um, either through a transition uh, through the employer-sponsored framework. Um, Let's let's just, just, just talk about that. So at the moment, if a dentist is sponsored by an employer, it is for a temporary visa, and they don't have um, an established pathway to a permanent visa, uh, unless it's a very specific kind, which is much harder to qualify for. So essentially, they've made it more difficult for dentists to qualify for permanent residency. That's a particular area that um, we're certainly advocating for, and we, we are optimistic that they're going to change that. Um, and that probably will come through any time next year, but I think late next year. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. So that's that's what we do. We 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 help our clients. Um, we understand the law. We understand the policy. We understand all the different moving parts in the immigration system, like English testing and skills assessments, and so forth. And um, we also uh, do some advocacy as well um, on the policy side to help with change, both at the state and federal level, uh, to to improve the system for our clients and actually. Um, for our state and our country. So there are things that they need to do and, and we identify them as practitioners where where the rubber hits the road. Mm,
0: that sounds great. Like even when I was doing my research for today's episode, it's so complicated. Um, there's so many different types of visas available. And I guess as dental graduates, we're just, we want to be able to focus on um, our skills and our career rather than the application process and and everything. So it's Fantastic that you guys have this service available to help us out. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly what we're here for. But What you've just said is basically to help you manage the process and you can focus on your skill set. And that's um, what we do is just help you navigate and assess eligibility to, okay, this is the best pathway for you. This is what we need to do and, and get it done for you, basically. Help you get to where you want to be um, with your Australian migration goals.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, so next question is, Could you run us through the various visas international dental students may have um, and a timeline of what that kind of looks like?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, basically, most international dental students will start with a student visa, as they probably are now. Uh, That's the subclass 500. Um, Once you complete the course, um, pretty much everybody will then apply for a graduate visa. Um, It will be under the post-study work stream for most dental students now. Um, So, And the graduate visa really is there to give you time to then get ready for your next visa, for your skilled visa. Um, And at the moment for dental students, the only one available to them is the subclass 491, which is a provisional uh, five-year visa which transitions to permanent residency after three years. Um, to be eligible for permanent residency after those three years, you need to live and work in a regional area of Australia. And the best way to describe that is anywhere other than Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane, because everywhere else is considered regional um, mm. for migration purposes. Um, so you need to live and work um, in a regional area for three years and you need to earn a taxable income of 53900 for those three years each year. Uh, and then you're eligible to then apply for the permanent visa, which would be the subclass 191. So that's, that's it, a I'm not sure really for dental students, that's really the pathway that 99.99% would, would take at the moment because we don't have the permanent visa available to them straight away,
2: mm-hmm. um, and
1: that's under federal um, law, unfortunately so no, it's sort of
2: possibility Yeah, that's, that's an example of, of what we expect to change next year hopefully <laughs> it may not happen but but we 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 hope it will happen and uh, there's a good reason why it should happen so at the moment dental graduates can't qualify for a permanent visa, a 190 state sponsored visa or so a, a 190 or a mm-hmm. 189 independent yeah. visa mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, graduates from some other occupations like engineering and so forth they do qualify so um we uh, we are hopeful that that will change and then in, instead of the 491 the 190 will, will open up and 189 for for dental graduates which would be great because you get to be to get your permanent visa straight away uh, instead of 3 years later
0: mm. Mm. so then um i this is not a question that i sent to you guys but um why was it why was the 189 and 190 not available before or currently
1: it used to be. It, yeah. it only became unavailable about three years ago, I think it was, maybe three, four years ago, because I actually used to do lots of dental students under the 190, like many of them. So many of my, my ex-clients that were dental students are floating around with 190s at the moment, but it wasn't available. Uh, I think in 2019 they changed it. Um,
2: so the reasons why these things happen is mm-hmm. generally, so the what the government likes to do is plan and they, they like to, to think they have knowledge about where there are shortages of particular occupations i don't agree with that i think that the government is not capable of knowing where all the skills shortages are in the country and in the economy it's too dynamic and too diverse but anyway um they have come to a view in 2019 or whenever they decided it that there were too not not too many but there were there were there was not an as a pronounced shortage of dentists in australia that they required um, the incentive of a permanent visa. So that would have been in consultation with the Australian Dental Council. And I am not sure whether it was the ADC that was advocating for the removal. Um, Don't forget the ADC will represent its members and those will be existing dentists and dental clinic owners. And uh, if they are feeling like there are too many dentists, then they might want to reduce the... Um, the supply of dentists, and that's one way of doing it in the immigration system. Um, Whatever the case is, I think there is certainly an appetite to move back to a permanent um, uh, visa um, option for for dentists. So that is something that the Australian Dental Council will have an opinion on, and, of course, the federal government, um, which prefers to allow people to qualify for permanent residency um, rather than... stay on temporary visas but uh, that will remain to be seen and uh, if anyone has any um, uh, energy and and wants to help with advocacy on on dentists and, and uh, the Australian Dental Council and advocating to the Commonwealth we're, we're all ears and would love to work with you as well um, to build that advocacy because we will be making those representations to the government um, to make those changes next year.
0: Wow fantastic thank you um, okay, so next question is, what challenges do you anticipate international students may face as we are moving through the tail end of COVID?
2: That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think from an immigration perspective, there has been a great deal of uncertainty that has arisen uh, for students, particularly because mm. of um, the the need for many students to have studied online from overseas. Now, I don't think there are anyone in your audience, and you'll be able to tell me, uh, Jingyang, if there's there's anyone um, in the AUD SS that would, would have studied off online. I don't think you can do that, so um, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but there is a, a whole cohort of students that have had to study online because they were locked out of Australia for those two years. And then they're they're unsure whether they're going to qualify for a graduate visa because the graduate visa requires study in Australia, and they didn't change those laws. Mm, so that's 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 brought a great deal of uncertainty and anxiety upon students. Um, navigating through COVID was very stressful for students. We 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 totally uh, saw that, and um, some of the rhetoric out of the federal government early on was terrible. The messaging was terrible. So um, in terms of uh, the support that was provided to students, so. I think we've moved through that now and, and we're we're now in a position where we could be a little bit brighter about where we're at in the future uh, for students. So hopefully um, your your audience are not uh, feeling too um, disrupted by COVID as we sit here today. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of going forward, it actually has provided a great opportunity um, for migrants uh, because it has created something of a crisis. Um, I'd... I don't know how well-averse uh, you will be on how um, how the economy is going at the moment, but there is an absolute. It's, it's unequivocal. It's it's not debatable. It's uncontroversial now that there are widespread skill shortages in the Australian economy. Mm-hmm. Um, employers are screaming out for for for, for staff, and um, the government now has finally recognised that um, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, even last year. There were members of the government that were concerned about the impact of coronavirus um, and how uh, we might need to restrict immigration because there would be too many. Um, there wouldn't be enough jobs because we're going to be going into uh, to a recession and so forth. But what the opposite occurred. the The Australian economy kept moving forward, and we we closed the borders for two years, and that that caused the loss of seven hundred thousand workers, seven hundred thousand people that were capable of working in Australia were lost, um, that should have been here. And so that's just created a huge disruption in the labour force. So now we have a great opportunity because the government is clearly um, has no way of avoiding this issue. We need immigration. We need to open up immigration even more than it was prior to the uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity is actually very positive for your audience that we may actually get outcomes that, are going to put you in a far better position than before the the pandemic. Mm-hmm.
0: That sounds fantastic. So not only is it great for like um, graduates who are seeking jobs, but also especially because we our whole degree is very face to face. We don't have really have students at all who were re- learning remotely. So yeah. it's actually great. There's this is a good outcome of um, COVID.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's yes. a good
0: outcome. Yeah, yes, that's true.
2: Okay.
0: Um, so I guess moving on to a kind of different topic, um, what are some obligations international students have under their student visa um, and what are their current working rights?
1: Mm. Okay, so the current current working rights actually, um, again, COVID, um, they actually don't, they actually have full work, work rights at the moment up until the 30th of June next year, 2023, so they've announced that. So um, there are no work limits at the moment um, temporarily because of COVID and because of the skill shortage. Um, Basically, that's what that's for. Um, They have said they're going to be uh, introducing um, the work limitations again. Uh, Prior to COVID, it was uh, 40 hours per fortnight was the wording. Um, I have heard a rumour, and I don't want to say this 100%, but it might be going to 30 hours um, per week or 60 hours per fortnight. Um, I think it's probably sixty hours per fortnight because what, 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 when we say fortnight, we mean um, it's forty hours per fortnight, which means you can work thirty hours one week and then ten the next. It doesn't have to be twenty and twenty. Um, so if it's sixty hours per fortnight, it'll be you could do you know twenty and then forty or you know whatever it is you can you can uh, break it up as you need to, but there will. There should be an announcement on that um, soon, what it will be. Um, so at the moment, they don't have that. I mean, they have to maintain health insurance and usually that's, you know, they won't grant you the student visa um, if you don't have the right date of your of your OSHC ending anyway. Um, so it's not too cumbersome for students at the moment. Um, you have to obviously maintain your study, keep going, keep studying. Um, but that's really what you need to do it's not it's not too cumbersome it was really the work limitations that was the big one prior to COVID it's not there at the moment it will be introduced again um, most likely on, um it's going to be ending so the work limitation um, will be introduced again on the 1st of July I suspect next year but we're waiting to see what that's going to look like um we haven't had the formal announcement yet on that
2: and, and it's just uh the same sort of thing that you'd want to do um in your your career anywhere way is is to do well do well in your course um and and uh, and and pass and, and hopefully get good grades and so forth um and so if you find yourself in that position where you are um uh, failing or, or need to withdraw from courses if there's been an an issue maybe there's been a, a family um emergency If you've had to defer your course in any way, um, very important that you remember that you may need, um, in fact, probably will need a new student visa to extend your your visa to facilitate a later ending of your course. So if there are any any members of your audience that are in that position Mm -hmm. where you are going to be finishing your course later than originally expected, and there are often very good reasons for that, you will need a new student visa almost always, and do seek advice on that. A new enrolment or a deferred enrol is not enough, um, and some students get confused about. So about yeah, that. what
1: just what what your audience needs to know is just check your student visa expiry date. Basically, when does it end? Um, and whatever you do, if you haven't applied for another visa before that date, make sure you seek advice before that date um, so that we can then assess and see what needs to happen. So if you finished your course, we'd apply for a graduate visa for you, that's fine. If you haven't finished your course um, and you need longer, basically, to to be able to complete the course, you need to apply for another student visa. So attaining a new COE, a confirmation of enrolment, is not uh, an extension. There's no... There's actually... Everyone talks about student visa extensions. There's no extension for a visa. A visa ends and you need to get a new one, basically. Mm.
0: Um,
1: So whatever you do, just... The only thing you need to take away is know when your visa ends, basically what is the date that it ends, and make sure you seek advice and you you apply for another visa before that end date. That's really what needs to – you just have to remember that. So you seek advice, we'll tell you, yes, go for the, the graduate visa, we can do it, or actually you're going to need to get another student visa, that's fine, we can do that onshore as well. Um, just whatever you do, just make sure you've applied for another visa before your visa ends so that you remain lawful in Australia. Otherwise, it's going to open up a whole world of complications for you if if, if that visa ends and you're still here without having applied for another visa. Um,
0: okay. All right. That sounds pretty <laughs> straightforward. Yeah.
1: <Yes. laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just, so just, just be mindful of your end date and then make sure you take action before then. Basically, but
2: it, it is straightforward. The mm-hmm. the issue is, um, and sometimes students are misled by. Uh, the various international student um, departments, sometimes they uh, don't provide clarity and and, and and make it clear. And so what will happen is the student will go and say, I need a deferral um, of my course for six months because of a family bereavement or something. And so they'll say, yeah, no problem, and they'll extend their, their course and they'll issue them with a new certificate of enrollment and say, you're all done. Great. And off they go. And the student hasn't been clearly advised that, oh, no, you need a new, new visa, um, they, they, they think in their minds that that has been done and their visa is going to automatically be extended mm. in the system mm. and that doesn't happen, that cannot happen. There's no such thing. So um, we've seen students in that situation and then after their, their visa expires, they realise, hang on, my visa expired, I didn't realise because I'm still finishing my course and at that point it's caused a whole lot of other issues. So it, that's that's why we make that point very clearly.
0: Oh, okay. Could you guys just outline what type of issues someone could face if their student visa does expire?
2: So the number one issue if a student visa has expired is you've got 28 days from that expiry date to apply for a new student visa. And, and after that, so that's a bit of a grace period because the government has obviously recognised in the past that, you know, this this happens. But after that 28 days, uh, then we've got some serious issues. Then we can't apply for a new student visa in Australia. And on top of that, if you leave Australia, which which you usually will need to do, um, there will be in, in almost all cases a three-year ban applied to the grant of a new visa. Uh, because if you leave Australia 28 days after your visa expired, and you you leave on a certain type of bridging visa, in this case it might be a bridging visa E, which is the lowest form of bridging visa, and essentially because you've overstayed a visa, there is this legislative rule, and it's unavoidable. But um, the any future visa applications, there is a ban on the grant of it for three years. Uh, there is an ability to waive that ban, and that's where we end up working with with the students to apply for a waiver. And that's based on compelling and compassionate circumstances and showing that the student is a genuine student and that they didn't intend to cause, uh, to to um, exploit the immigration system or or they weren't doing anything on purpose. It was all innocent and they're genuine and so forth. So all of that has to be done. And it certainly uh, takes a lot of work and, and costs uh, quite a bit of money. And, and so it's, it's very stressful. It's uncertain. It may not Work, um, although we do tend to have success with them, um, it's it's extremely stressful. Uh, so that's why it gets very very serious after that 28 day um, deadline after a visa has expired.
0: Wow! And that's wow. why I say just
1: make sure that you know when your visa ends, and you make sure that you take action before that happens. Basically, that, that's that's yeah. the only thing to
0: yeah
1: to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it does. It becomes super complicated
0: (laughs) yeah and most of the time when students you know they have to defer they've got obviously got things um more more Mm. stressful in their lives and they're not necessarily thinking about their visa at all yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: yes we see that a lot and and Mm -hmm. certainly with students that are studying courses that are quite intensive um Mm -hmm. medical practitioner courses the dental courses Mm -hmm. these, these are these are challenging courses it does require your your mental energy and commitment and so the immigration aspect is, is not—it's something is, that can um, slip the mind very easily. Uh, so that's why we're here um, and, and we're always available for, for questions and to, to help you. So err on the side of caution um, and uh, contact us if you, if you need help.
0: Okay, fantastic. So we'll take a break now um, and we'll have a word from our sponsors.
2: Wright Evans Partners,
0: the Dental, Accounting and Finance Specialists. Our people are here to assist you in every step of your career. Whether you're a student, dentist or business owner, we have the tools and the experience to see you succeed. Our dental graduate program provides you with a complimentary tax return or business activity statement and a financial health check to help you kickstart your career. Contact us today via our website, Facebook and Instagram or on 8208 4777 to start planning your financial future. We're with you every step of the way. All right, um, so the next question is what should students do to prepare for their graduate visas? Um, for example, like what are some requirements for uh, the, de- the graduate visa? Yeah
1: sure, um, so first thing you need to do is do an English test if you um, do not have a passport which is exempt. Um, most students Um, won't have a passport that is exempt, so you will need to do an English test. People said to me, oh, but we've studied in Australia, you know, for five years. I said, oh, no, I'm really sorry. I don't know that you speak English really, really well, but unfortunately it's part of the law. So um, that's one thing you can actually do even before your course ends because it's valid for three years in the eyes of the department. So I would go and do an English test unless you have a passport from uh, the UK, US, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand. That's it. Is it five? Yeah. So, yeah, fine. yeah, you're exempt if you have a passport from the UK, from the USA, from Canada, from New Zealand and Ireland, basically. Mm-hmm. So anywhere else, um, unfortunately, we have to do an English test. So um, go ahead and go do your English test. General IELTS is accepted PT Academic, TOEFL, Cambridge Advanced English and the OET mm-hmm. um, are accepted Department of Home Affairs. Um, then the other thing you need to do is complete the course very, very important. You can't apply for a student visa before you have completed the course. And by that we mean um, your final results need to have been released um, from the university. So you need to, so you can't have just submitted your last assignment or completed your last exam and say, okay, I'm done now. I can apply for my um, graduate visa. Um, You can't, you have to wait for those final results to be released. And then after that date, you can then apply for the graduate visa. Um, so that's also super important. Um, you'll need to get different types of health insurance. Um, and, again, the date that that starts varies depending on um, each each individual. So um, what I normally do with my clients is I will tell them, basically. So once they've signed up for me to do the application, for them, I'll say to them, okay, so now you've got – you need your um, – the last day you can possibly start your 485 health insurance is this date. So make sure we've got that in place. That's also important. Um There's a whole bunch of different things that we need to go through and what I normally do in a consultation with my clients is I assess their eligibility because each individual has got different circumstances, of course. Um, So we assess the eligibility make sure that it's all okay. The other thing I check is to see which stream are you eligible for. So there's two streams in the graduate visa. There's the uh, post-study work stream and the graduate um, work stream. Um, So what that means is if you are, and most dental students will be going for the post-study. Um, now, post study, you need to have a bachelor degree or higher to be eligible, um, and you needed to have applied. And the, the key word there is applied. Applied for your first student visa after the fifth of November, two thousand and eleven. Um, so sometimes clients may have applied for a, a student visa um, earlier because maybe they've come on an exchange or they've done something else in high school. Um, so that's something that we need to check. That's super important because if you you have to pick the right stream. If you don't pick the right stream. Your visa could be refused, basically. There's all these little things, all these little nuances that we need to look through, basically. Um, So there's a – they're the the key ones. The other things we check is that you meet the Australian study requirement. So that means, you know, is your course registered for 92 weeks in CryCost? Dental students, they are. That's okay. Um, And then have you studied physically in Australia over 16 calendar months? So we need to look and see – how long have you been here for? Did you do any study overseas? Sometimes people go and exchange again. So we have to check and make sure that all of that is being met. So there's a whole bunch of things that we need to check uh, based on the legislation, and I do that um, individually with, with students because, like I said, um, everyone has got different circumstances, so I need to make sure and check against each person. Um, but there's some of the things that we look through um, and we we'll look through the legislation and make sure that um, everyone's meeting the legislative um, requirements. Um, to be eligible for the graduate visa. The other thing that's really important is the date. Um, so you can't apply for a graduate visa. Um, you have to apply within six months of completing your course. So if it's six months has passed and you want to apply for the graduate visa, um, we can't do it. Unless you were stuck overseas with COVID, they did extend it for 12 months um, only for COVID, um, but that's going to be going back. And that's if you were caught overseas, basically, if you're unsure, um the six months still
0: well, Wow, definitely, definitely <laughs> very complicated. It is,
1: it is, all of migration always complicated, so that's why we're here, because people need help to navigate it, really, that's really, that yeah. really is true, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Oh my goodness, okay. <laughs> um next question is um what are the differences um between the visas after the graduate visa i know that um as you mentioned before dental student dental graduates are only eligible for the 491 but could you just briefly touch on the 189 and 190 as well
1: yeah sure so the 189 the 190 and the 491 all come under the umbrella of general school migration so it's known as general school migration and those three visas come under the umbrella basically um so their process is actually the same to get to get these visas, it's pretty much exactly the same, um, but the difference is the one eight nine visa is a, a permanent visa, and it's known as a skilled independent visa. So what that means is you can live and work anywhere in Australia. It's not state nominated. It's 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 independent, as as the name suggests, um, and that works with a different list as well. It works with what's known as the MLTSSL list, um, migration. And I know it's a medium and long term
2: temporary skill uh, so medium and long term skill skills
1: skilled list yeah basically
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a terrible name MLTSSL. it used to be called soul which was so much better skilled occupation list so much easier to remember <laughs> and to say honestly but anyway so it works with, with a particular list known as the MLTSSL list and that's actually a shorter list than the others um mm-hmm. as well um, the 190 is a state-sponsored permanent visa. So that's also permanent. And really, it's on par with the 189 because you're still getting your permanent residency straight away, basically. The difference mm-hmm. is, is that it's state-sponsored
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it works with a different list. And then each state um, takes occupations from that list
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and says, okay, my state needs these occupations, so we will sponsor for these occupations. Uh, the great news for South Australia is they pretty much sponsor whatever is on that on that list. So they're... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty good. Um, So that's really the difference with the 189 and the 190. So the 189 is the independent skilled visa and works with the MLTSSL. The 190 is a state-sponsored permanent visa and you need to get sponsorship from the state um, to be eligible uh, for that visa. The 491 is also um, state-sponsored for dental students. They do have a family stream as well, which works with the Again, yeah, different list. Um, but most of the dental um, students will be going under the state-sponsored uh, 491 visa, basically. And that again, you need to get um, you need to get sponsorship from the state um, and meet the state nomination that meet the requirements, the state nomination. Um, and then you've got the five-year provisional visa. Like I said, the 491 is the provisional five-year visa. Transitions to permanent residency after three years, where you can apply for the 191, provided you meet those um, requirements that we we specified
2: earlier as well. Yeah. And in addition to those visas, there are some employer-sponsored visas, which are generally not what we use for the dental students. Uh, the state-sponsored visa is far superior, or not far superior, but is superior to the employer-sponsored visa. Uh, it, cr- it provides more flexibility. Um, but the if for whatever reason that is not available, that sometimes can happen uh, if the student has, or the graduate has moved to another state, uh, and that that new state is not willing to to nominate that person. So that sometimes happens. And the reason why is because states uh and territories will prioritize their sponsorship of students if they have studied in that state or territory. So mm-hmm. they want to, to reward those students for for spending a great deal of money on their, their course in that mm-hmm. state or territory. So if you studied in South Australia and then you move to uh, New South Wales um the New South Wales government may not be, be willing to sponsor you for a 491 visa. Um, it, it may happen, but it may not. So there are less less uh, uh, prospects of success there.
1: What I'm finding, sorry to just yeah. interrupt you there, what I'm finding um, with the other states and, and South Australia as well, they actually um, make their requirements a little bit easier for their graduates. So, you know, in South Australia, you only need to work for three months um, as a dentist um, in Australia in South Australia, sorry, um, for three months and then they'll sponsor you. Whereas if you were going to go um, to a different state, because you're not a graduate of that state, they will require 12 months of work experience or um, they may not sponsor if you're not a graduate. So the requirements are easier if you stay in South Australia, if you're graduating from Adelaide University, basically, because you're a graduate and that means that they consider you to have shown commitment to to South Australia, commitment to the state. And so their um, nomination requirements are more lenient Um, And they do favour the graduates. And that's the same with all the states, to be honest. So each state is going to look after their graduates. So if you can, to make your life a lot easier, honestly, if you can find work in SA, anywhere in South Australia, it is going to make your your life easier to get your, your state nomination. And it will be faster
2: for you as well. Yeah. And so um, moving to those other states just enlivens those issues that we could certainly help you with. If for whatever reason, you can't uh, secure a state nomination uh, in a state that you've moved to, because um, invariably you'll get it in South Australia, but in another state that that could happen, uh, we would look at employer-sponsored visas in that situation. And the minimum work experience requirement for the employer-sponsored visas is two years, but in some cases, in some regional areas, it might be one year at a minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those visas are going to be uh, temporary visas that will potentially transition to a permanent visa afterwards. So, uh, I won't go into all of them. There are a few and it gets a little messy, but the point is that there are employer-sponsored visas available available um generally you will need a minimum of 1 year work experience often it's 2 and it'll be uh, invariably a 3 year period of employment before qualifying for permanent residency so you have to work for that sponsor for 3 years before becoming eligible for a permanent visa mm-hmm. uh, and so that's a little more restrictive uh, uh, quite a bit more restrictive than a state sponsored visa mm-hmm. because you have to remain with that employer whereas with the mm-hmm. state sponsored you can move around employers um, you could stop working if you wanted to, uh, and and you have that freedom to do so. So that's why that is the priority, and that's why we spend a lot of time on those visas rather than employer sponsored ones.
1: And it's faster too to, to get to your PR because you mm-hmm. only need like three months of work experience um, as a dental student to to qualify for the four nine one.
0: So then, um, just clarifying, so pay for students. For graduates who are on the 491, they would, um, from Adelaide University, they would have to stay in SA for three years because then after three years, the 491 transitions into permanent?
1: No. Okay. That's a good question. So you need to stay in the state for three months and work um, oh. as a dentist, and then you can apply to the state for state nomination? That'll, okay. that'll- granted for you because you meet the requirements usually. Um, then you, you should also stay in the state until your visa is granted because um, what the law says is um, the state could withdraw their sponsorship and if they withdraw the sponsorship, then the visa is has to be refused basically by law. So you mm-hmm. should really stay in the state until the visa is granted. Once your visa is granted, um, I mean, ideally we want you to stay in South Australia because, you know, Australia, South Australia wants population growth. But if you had a great opportunity to go and work somewhere else, you can do that un- un- as long as it's not in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane. Yeah. So the 491 allows you to live and work in a regional area of Australia.
0: Mm. So that
1: that is, remember, anywhere other than Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane. Mm.
0: Okay. Mm. Okay. Awesome. Just avoid those three cities. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> so, yes, so, yes. yes. The, the Gold Coast is actually uh, regional. It's mm-hmm. classified as regional. It is regional. Um, the northern uh, coast um, of – Sorry, the Sunshine Coast mm-hmm. of Queensland, uh, north of Brisbane, is regional. Mm-hmm. Wollongong, south of Sydney, is regional. Newcastle, north of Sydney, is regional. Geelong, uh, south of Melbourne, is regional. So there are these centres – Mm. Um, that are actually classified as regional, so it's not intuitive. It really is just mm. the metropolitan mm. Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane that is non-regional. But
1: always check the postcode. So if you're going to be going to New South Wales or Queensland or Victoria, do check the postcodes because that's how they determine what's considered mm. regional. And when we're talking about postcodes, that doesn't just mean where you work. It has to be everything. So you can't. You have to not. You can't live, work, or study in a non-regional area, so study as well. So that means you can't live in Melbourne and then go to Geelong to work and then you're okay. Vice versa. Yeah, yeah or, or, or vice versa. Or vice versa, basically. So basically you, you can't have, any, have anything going on in those <laughs> cities, basically,
2: you, can you can't study either. You can certainly visit those cities. You can visit, cities, go
0: there for the weekend.
2: And you can <laughs> certainly, uh, if you're working and you need to go there for meetings, ad hoc meetings and so forth, yeah. that's all going to be fine. Yeah. It's going to be a question of fact at the, per- at the permanent visa stage mm. whether you are uh, deemed to be working there if you're spending a lot of time there. Yeah. And the, and that definition is not defined, right? So it's, it takes on its ordinary meaning. And so that hasn't been judicially determined by a court yet. Um, at some point in the future, a court is going to hear an appeal and decide and provide some clarity around what the limits of that means. But at the moment, does it mean you can be seconded to, to work in Melbourne for a week and you'll still be considered to be working in a regional area. We don't know exactly the answer to those questions, but if uh, it''s it's a, it's a matter of scale and, and limiting your involvement in those cities as much as possible.
0: Okay, okay, awesome. Um, next question is um, whilst on their graduate visa, What should the dental graduates do to prepare for um, these later, the 491, for example? Mm,
1: Yeah, that's easy. Okay, so um, work, (laughs) you need to get work experience, um, the three months that I talked about for South Australia, so then we can then apply because you're... Won't be eligible until you've got your three months of work experience. Um, you also need to get a skills assessment and your English test. So basically, the way the 491 visa works is there's three steps that you need to go through. Number one is um, we need to do an English test. Now, you can use the one that you've done for your graduate visa. Um, of course, that's fine, um, as long as you have the right results. And I think you all will have the right results because your app registration requires higher than what's needed for the graduate visa and for the four hundred and one visa. So all dental students will always have the right English because Afra is higher anyway than the other two. So that's fine. So English tests, we can use the one that you've done for your Afra and your graduate visa um, as long as it's within three years and, of course, it will be. So that's all okay, Um, usually, would be unless you did it. A couple of years ago for some reason or three years ago for another and, and so it has to be valid it's valid for three years effectively so English and then you have to apply this is also really important you need to apply to the ADC the Australian Dental Council for your skills assessment so you have to have those two things before we can consider um, applying for you basically so that's what they can so on the graduate visa what I recommend you do with the graduate visa it's a that's a good visa to use to get ready for your four nine one. That's basically what it's for. So do your English test and do your AD, Get your skills assessment from ADc. And once you've completed your course, what I recommend you do is as soon as you've completed, just go ahead and apply for that skills assessment because again, it's valid for three years um, under the eyes of the department. So, and it could take a few months, you know, to get. Basically, I think uh, the last one we did took about four weeks. Um, and that's, that's very recent. So um, it's probably around four weeks. By the time you gather all your documents, et cetera, you know, it could take a couple of months. So while you're basically working and getting that three months of work experience, you can also um, start to prepare those other documents that you need, um, that you're going to need basically to be able to apply for the 491. So um, I would advise that you use that time to get that work experience that you need and to prepare those documents like your English test, um, like your, your skills assessment as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is that similar for the 189 and one, um? It's exactly the same
1: process. Okay. Yeah, it's exactly the same process, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: you still, again, you have to have your English and you have to have your skills assessment before you can apply for any, any of those visas. Um, so what happens is you do your, um, you get your English and you get your skills assessment and then you move to the next step which is known as the points test, the expression of interest into skill select is what you do, um, which is the points basically. And all those three visas work in the same way. So you have to have have your skills assessment, you have to have your English and then you do your expression of interest into skill select um, Mm. where you do the points test effectively. If you're then going for the 190 or the 491, you then have to also apply to the state, the state sponsorship. Um, um, so you do that, and then what happens is the state will process your application first, they'll approve it, um, they'll say, yes, we will sponsor this person, they will notify Skill Select, which are the points people, and then they will give you an invitation to apply for the visa. And once you get the invitation, that's then your ticket, then you can move to step three and apply for the visa itself. So there's all different processes, and you have to be aware of all the different bodies that you're working with and what their requirements are because everyone has different requirements. So you have to satisfy Australian Dental Council first. Then you have to satisfy uh, the points, the, the points is the expression of interest. Then you have to satisfy the state. Then you have to satisfy the Department of Affairs for the visa itself. So there's all these, but well, they all have different requirements. So you have to know all of the requirements for all of those bodies that you need to satisfy, basically. That's that's what it comes down to in a nutshell. Oh,
0: my goodness. <laughs> do it all
1: day, every day. So I just know it all off the top of my head. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I really feel for all the international <laughs> students. I'm certainly not <laughs> jealous of them right now. Um,
1: it's okay. Yeah. honestly if they need assistance we're here so we'll just guide them through the whole thing We we'll just send them okay you need to do this now do that and then you know okay great now we're ready now we can do this give me these documents i'll do it for you you know that's yeah that's what we're here for really
0: yeah making it stress-
1: as <laughs> stress-free as possible for them yes guide them through it so that they know step by step okay we're ready for this now let's just do this yeah
0: yeah yeah okay so we're on to the last question now um well, so, whilst on the um four four nine one, um, what should the dental graduates do to prepare for um permanent residency through the one nine one?
1: Yeah, for the one nine one. Yes. Okay. So they have to be mindful of their requirements to get the one nine one. Obviously, which is they've work in the regional area for three years and then uh, earn a taxable income of fifty three thousand nine hundred. So they have to make sure they're meeting those requirements to be eligible for the 191. They also have to be mindful of the conditions of the of the 491 visa so when your visa is granted there'll be a bunch of conditions on there Um, namely it's things like you have to make sure that you're notifying the department if there's any changes to your circumstances within 14 days so if you change employer or you change address uh, you need to notify the department within 14 days of that. So they're the sorts of things that you need to be mindful of when you're on the 491. So really you've got to be mindful of the fact that you're working towards the 191, that's the goal, and to get the 191 we need to have those three years um, in the regional area and we need to have that 53900 of taxable income, you know, over those three years each year. Um, so that's really what, what needs to be in their forefront of their mind for the 491 visa.
2: Yeah, so every few months, uh, but the government has been changing that all over the place mm-hmm. with the code. But but three, maybe six months, they're going to write to you and say, "Can you provide evidence that you're living in a regional area?" Uh, so that's that will remind you. But if not, um, just keep a file of of some evidence that you're living and working in a regional area. So any lease agreements or um, utilities bills, just file them away because you'll need them in three years' time when you go to apply for that permanent visa.
0: Mm-hmm fair enough um that was all the questions that I had did you guys have anything you wanted to add before we wrap up today's episode
2: look I, I think uh, we covered off the key issues um, mm-hmm. it, every case is a little bit different so for personal this is this is general advice and uh, we should we should provide a disclaimer that, that this is general information only and uh, for personal um, advice that's going to take into account your personal circumstances we will need to have a consultation. Uh, and so we um, we are able to offer that to the AUDSS uh, members. Um, and so normally our consultation fee is two hundred and fifty dollars for for our for our clients. Um, and we are happy to offer that to AUDSS members um, free of charge at this time. Um, that may change in the future, but at the moment we're we're quite happy to to offer that to you. Uh, book in um, with Christina. Um, she will uh, she will hold that consultation with you on Zoom or phone. Um, allow around 15 minutes to half an hour. We'll be able to cover off the key issues. And then um, if you need us to handle a visa for you, we'll be able to provide you with a um, a fixed fee quote, uh, which will be at a discount to our, our normal rates as well, um, to handle that visa for you. Um, Christina, did you have anything to add to that?
1: No, um, just that... Yeah, I do a lot, a lot of dental students. So I've been doing them for years and years and years. I don't think Con – Con doesn't manage a lot of the international students. I do a lot of the student work. So I, 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 would, I would
2: I would see you if you had one of those issues we talked about, like, you know, overstaying, you forgot your visa was expiring um, or some other issue or you needed an employer sponsorship, some other more complex matter. That, that's where I would come in and, and help with that advocacy piece, um, but not
1: the the initial general skilled migration process. Christina's the expert on that. Mm, I do them all day, every day. I don't think, Con, have you ever done dental?
2: No. Uh, I think I've done a couple. Just
1: yeah. A couple. yeah. So so my I'm the um I'm the expert in the dental student. So if they need anything, it'll be me that they'll come to for that. And that's fine. Like I said, I've I do lots and lots of them and I have been doing them for, for many, many years. So we know the ins and outs of, of um of um the <laughs> dental student and their pathway. So that's fine. Um, So if they need anything, we're here if they do want to understand, you know, what their pathway is, they want to explore something, they want to assess their eligibility, um, please get them
0: to get in touch with us and
1: we can do that for them.
0: Absolutely. I think this episode has highlighted just how complicated and how much assistance we need when it comes to this whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast today and taking the time out of your lives um, to join us today. Um, So we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the owners of the land we are privileged to record the Al Dente podcast on, the Ghana people, the traditional custodians of the land, waterways and skies across Adelaide. We thank them for sharing and caring for the land on which we are able to share our experiences. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and we share our friendship and our kindness. And thank you so much to Chris for editing the last episode of Our Dente this year. And um, please subscribe to our Dente through Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, thank you. Thanks very much.
2: <laughs> Thanks and uh, good luck to everybody with your final assessments yeah. as well. If you've already completed them, congratulations. If you still have them, good luck. You, and uh, And have a great summer holidays as well.
1: Are you finishing this week?
0: Um we're finishing at the end of last um end of next week. So on oh, the yeah, ninth. Next week. Yeah, yeah. That, that great. Yeah. yeah it was
1: so good luck, everyone. It's nearly there. Like it's you're almost done. Yeah. And you can celebrate.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> looking forward to that. It's been a yeah. long year. Yeah,
1: yeah. A bit. yeah. So congratulations to everyone. And yeah, I know you're gonna have a big, big sigh of relief at the end. I remember those days when I would finish my exams. It was the best feeling. <laughs> <laughs>